fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to India's first and only Freemasonic podcast, The Ashlers, a unique podcast that is hosted by Masons aiming to share information and the timeless wisdom around Freemasonry with the rest of the world, thus sharing the light of Masonry far and wide. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions shared by the hosts and participants on the Ashlers is solely their own and thus do not represent any official positions or proclamations of any Grand Lords thereof. Be assured that best efforts have been made to keep the conversations and presentations on the level for brethren and non-Masons alike. Hello and welcome folks to yet another episode of The Ashlers. It's been a little while, but we are back with a very interesting paper and the author joins us today as well. Now, before I hand it over to Renesh to introduce the paper and the author, there's an important announcement or rather uh, an important appeal I would like to make to all our listeners. I'm sure you would have heard this in the news. On 6th of February this year, there was a massive earthquake that has hit several you know, parts of Turkey and Syria. The news has been covered extensively on this topic and we can see the kind of devastation. And even now, there are people who are struggling uh, to get others out of the rubble. A lot of people are still suffering and, you know, uh, yet to be pulled out of uh, all the devastation. Um, in such a time, I would highly request all of us to do whatever little that we can. Uh, we could start by checking out if there are any voluntary organizations that might be organizing relief uh, material or who might be trying to get stuff to, you know, ship it out to these countries. You could check out uh, your own country's website to see what your government is trying to do. There will be guidelines there. You can check out the UN website to check out the guidelines. So at this point, anyone who's anywhere in the world who can do any little thing for these troubled uh, nations, please uh, step up and do your bit. Every little thing counts. And uh, I hope this will kindle that little, uh, you know, uh, sense of sympathy at everyone's hearts and reach out to the people who really need uh, all the help that they can get. So with that, um, I would hand it over to Rinesh to introduce our paper today and our author. Rinesh, over to you. Thanks a lot, Shishir. And uh, thank you very much for reiterating that point. I remember we were talking about this just a few days back. And coincidentally, today's paper is titled Relief. Like, I know the timing is very weird because... I think just what, six days back when we heard about this news, I was thinking and I was actually watching some of these videos which actually had come out on social media, including Instagrams as well as Twitter, that how people are coming together and ensuring that they are helping each other and getting things out or like, and the, and the sad stories, right, behind all of them, families have got devastated. So there are so many aspects over there. And that one thing which I always saw everybody actually talking about or rather the, the emotions which they had in their face obviously was some of them were obviously questioning why me? Some of them were actually happy to see the emergency worker coming and actually helping them. That that itself just that feeling which they come in which they get on their face right kind of just makes you realize that there is some sort of a relief which they have got that okay maybe God has not forsaken me. Maybe things are still going to be better. I'm still alive. That itself is a plus point. And that and that, that same moment when uh, Shishir, you and I were discussing that which is the next paper which we have received and which we wanted to cover, it turned out to be relief by none other than my dear friend, worshipful brother Sanjay Ranganathan. Um, Sanjay and uh, my association, or at least with respect to Freemasonry, has been for so long that I have actually forgotten when was the last time or rather when was the first time I ever met him. I feel like he... I have seen him or rather I've met him. I've spoken with him for God knows how many uh, years now, Sanjay. And I would like to obviously ask Sanjay to say a few words first and kind of help us in understanding what is the overall paper which he is trying to bring in front of us. Sanjay, my dear friend, over to you. Thank you, Rinesh, uh, for uh, this wonderful uh, introduction about me. 
our friendship of course goes uh, a long way back uh, and a warm welcome to the listeners of uh, ashlers uh, podcast uh, i've been watching ashlers or rather listening to ashlers for the last couple of years and uh, you guys are doing a fantastic job and uh, it was my ardent desire to uh, present uh, uh, something in uh, ashlers and i'm thankful to uh both of you for giving me this uh, uh, wonderful opportunity uh the purpose of writing this paper was probably to uh reinforce the thought of relief into a heart of a mason as well as to a non mason the idea of relief has been with us since times immemorial i think uh, that is one aspect which of the soul which gets uh repeated again and again even after several rebirths so probably uh, it is as old as the soul itself and it keeps transformation or it keeps transmuting into uh, different aspects in different births uh more about why relief uh, probably as we go along thank you thank you brother and i think in in many ways i liked how you have introduced the paper without giving giving away too much of it you know uh, in fact it's a very crisp way to introduce the paper and i would uh, you know give my opening thoughts on this before i get into the nitigrities uh, as me and ranesh were reading through this paper and you know as the current situation in the world especially with the earthquake that i mentioned came along sometimes and and i would also say this that this recording had to happen a little earlier but for whatever reason it got a little delayed from our schedule but you know at at times things happen for a reason i believe so this topic this paper i think is well timed from the standpoint that we really need to think introspect and and ask ourselves what difference can i make in my little or big way to make the world a better place and i hope by the end of this paper you will if not get the answer but at least find the direction to explore that answer and develop that answer for yourself now with that i would like to now get into the points of the paper now in this paper brother sanjay uh, you have spoken about one particular charge which is you know a very important charge in freemasonry anyone who's a freemason will immediately understand what i'm talking about and for non masons i can tell you that this is one of those foundational things that as a freemason you are told about what it means to be a freemason i'm talking about the charge of the northeast or the northeast charge now for me personally when i read through the paper also as you were saying and remembering the charge myself i find this as a very foundational very fundamental aspect especially when it comes to relief and charity so uh especially the part where the mason or the initiate is told that no matter where you are how you are if there is a chance to help in whatever way that you can you will embrace that opportunity to you know practice this noble virtue that is that is what i got from your paper but i would love to see what ranesh uh, has from his standpoint so ranesh over to you yeah thanks is it you know the interesting part is uh, sanjay starts the paper we're talking about the three fundamental uh, principles like we have brotherly love relief and truth and we have been talking about these points uh, for quite some time now brotherly love obviously means having a bit of a uh, affection for your fellow human being uh, i know the word is used as brother but end of the day that was a generic term which was used to make sure that every human beings are actually taken care of you obviously have relief which is basically take care again and truth means that whole concept of there is a supreme being there is a supreme power there is a higher uh, question or an answer which is available for which we are actually trying to strive on a daily basis to understand see like i i think uh, shishir must have mentioned this in one of the previous episodes like how we first make sure that our basic needs are taken care of and then we obviously move up the planes now similarly when i read the northeast or when i read this word northeast in the paper i was kind of wondering why did he bring that point right like it's all about charity now relief is also 
well charity actually gives definitely gives relief to the person who gets it not denying but i was trying to think that there might have been something else in sanjay's mind that he had to actually bring northeast into the uh, northeast charge into this equation and just for non masons right who are listening to us a charge in freemasonry is basically a small or a long or sometimes really long portions which we say to the new person who joins verbatim to ensure that those words are not uh, what should i say um, like like doesn't doesn't die down just because i wanted to explain it in a different style or something no it doesn't get dissolved in that manner it has to be said in that same style so that the person can actually understand on the way it was actually presented to us so there is no layers over it yes you can definitely have a discourse on the same afterwards but during that portion when i'm actually standing in front of the candidate and the candidate is uh, listening to me uh, hope, uh, like with that full attention i ensure that i bring that point Now, for me, what I would like to understand today is why did Sanjay have to bring Northeast charge, which predominantly speaks about charity, into a paper which is relief? Sanjay. Yeah, Rinesh, very good point. In fact, very valid uh, as to why Northeast has to come along with relief. Uh, to me, the Northeast charge, uh, what we call in the Grand Lodge of India uh, or uh, elsewhere, I would like to call it as the charity charge itself. i wouldn't want to why northeast uh, of course we all know the reasons why northeast as masons now the question is you briefly dwelt upon what a charge is to non masons basically a charge is an instruction given asking him to imprint upon his heart the dictates of what is being told i think that is what is charge so when i charge somebody that mm-hmm. is exactly what i am trying to tell him now the question is why i need to bring in the concept of northeast charge as uh, and not uh, talk about any other thing uh, uh, predominantly that's the first charge that is given to uh, somebody who enters into freemasonry if you look at the introduction part itself i spoke about brotherly love relief and truth and i've also mentioned that actually relief should be number 1 and brotherly love should come uh subsequent to that in my opinion i feel that relief is more important than even brotherly love uh, here what happens is that could be a uh, a perspective which uh, i know it could be wrong but uh, are we having relief because we show love to our fellow human being and that could be the reason why brotherly love was probably chosen first by the founding fathers who wrote about our constitution and uh, the portion of the work but then across freemasonry if you look into all the ritual books and if you go through the books you will always find that wherever there are words like this triumvirate or the uh, duality the it always follows the alphabetical order of mention being mentioned so obviously it can't be relief r b and then t it has to be b r and t that is the reason why the brotherly love relief and truth follows the second aspect of it is throughout charity charge or the northeast charge we are not asking him for anything other than extending relief to his brethren the purpose of the entire charge itself is to teach him what relief is despite the fact that relief is never mentioned in not more than 3 or 4 occasions in the entire ritual book consisting of about 220 pages but everywhere if you look into our ceremonies if you look into our rituals if you look into the lectures or you look it into the charges everywhere there is a concept of relief that is being brought inside i'll just give you a statement uh, to pour the healing balm of consolation into the bosom of the afflicted this is exactly what is relief this doesn't talk about charity so that is the reason why i wanted to establish the fact that the northeast charge should i uh, the reason why i brought the northeast charge itself is to point out that it is not superfluous the charge is not superfluous but it should talk about relief in that particular angle relief is more critical and that is the reason why i brought the northeast charge to draw a parallel to charity and relief probably it goes hand in hand that you give charity you relieve the necessity of a brother but not necessary that 
you have to give a charity to relieve a necessity of a brother as paul said saint paul said charity is love so uh, even loving a fellow human being could be relief for that person for some who doesn't have anyone to love sanjay beautifully explained uh, considering that what i had that doubt and i remember i was asking uh, shishir the same question on where exactly sanjay is actually going because i know sanjay sanjay can actually definitely take you into a rabbit hole with some of the lines and i remember sanjay yours and my discussion <laughs> we have gone into some uh, uh, discussions wherein we're like dude where did we start this from and where have we landed so i was personally having this whole doubt on why exactly did it bring but thank you thank you very much for bringing that point and i think this actually even helps the listeners because uh especially for those who have obviously given this charge like the way shishir mentioned shishir you have definitely given the charge so you would also have had that doubt yeah yeah why that whole <laughs> northeast comes into place when i'm actually asking uh, the person that charity is important and uh, anyway uh moving on i would like to obviously bring the next point and which is very interesting for me because this is this kind of and uh, what should i say this kind of tells me what exactly or where exactly sanjay was uh trying to explain um i have been asked many times and rather i, I let me just ask this let me just uh, ma- mention this and my first few years right when obviously i was still learning a lot about what, how exactly our organization functions we obviously come with a lot of ideas like we are new and we come with the idea which is there around us like tomorrow if uh, uh, i i am part of a football club's uh, what do you call the fan page and everything so suddenly we are like oh you know what guys we should all meet together on so and so day we should actually come together maybe to play or maybe to actually watch the game whatever is possible now in all of these the one thought which always comes in my mind is to advertise about it like so that we have more people coming in so that we have more fans who actually come together and we all talk about our football club and be all excited about it the same thing goes for some of the hobby clubs which you all would be members of like let's say for example a biker gang like the you guys all come together you might have a facebook page of that and you would obviously invite others to actually come one question which somebody asked me when i joined freemasonry was like why do you guys not talk about it and i was wondering as i said i was new into this so i was like no we do talk about it yeah but it's in that circle of our group like all those stuff i said yeah but like i have heard that you guys do a lot of charity you do so much of uh, stuff or rather take care of so many things and i uh, this was obviously during uh, many people came to know about that last remember the tsunami which actually hit the indian ocean that time there was a lot of efforts which had gone by freemasons and were done by freemasons from the grand lodge of india including the indian freemasons of other constitutions everywhere something or the else was happening including the recent uh, flood events at certain places many of the freemasons actually came but the word freemasonry never pops in there that usually or that regularly and that was one of the question which everybody used to ask me why do you not advertise why do you not tell everybody that you guys did it i know the answer why we do not i would like sanjay to elaborate on the same uh <clears throat> see i'll i'll take this example of the uh, nepal uh, quake which happened a couple of years back when the quake happened and uh, the government of nepal uh, started looking out uh, for relief i think it was the freemasons from delhi who sent the first batch of uh, whatever items they could salvage and immediately sent uh, ship it off to uh, nepal one of the brethren in gorakhpur Uh, coordinated this entire effort to have it uh, delivered and when the state machinery started uh, functioning and when the first relief came from freemasons the when the others started joining in when the united nations started joining in and countries worldwide started pitching inside the masons started helping the movement of these items but faded into the Uh, uh what do you call the dark shadows or to the behind the scenes and allowed somebody else to take the entire credit now the question is we started first but why are we not there to take the credit i i think we have to go back to what our culture talks about uh, the entire masonic culture itself is based on the sacred writings 
be it the Torah, the Bible, the Zendavesta, the Granth Sahib, the Quran, Holy Quran Sharif, or the Bhagavad Gita. Everywhere it talks about what is it that you need to do to others and why is it that people should not know what you are doing to others. In, in, in fact, uh, one of the uh, uh, points which I can upright up think about is uh, it's extolled in the Doha of Kabir. Uh, Sant Kabir was one of the uh, early poets in the 15th century, 16th century uh, period. And he says, Sai itna dijiye jame kutum samai, maybe buka na rahu, sadhu na buka jai. So he, 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 he doesn't say who, how much to give, what to give. He's just asking God to give him enough so that he can keep himself fit and he can also give something to others. There he does not come forward to say that I would like to have my photograph when I give it to others. The whole concept of masonry is to do something without seeking for a recognition to do that. When you seek for a recognition, it becomes transactional. Though our uh, our entire uh, uh, arrangement with the society could be only transactional because our aim while doing charity or relieving the necessities of somebody else is only to that extent. But we don't want this transaction to be highlighted. That is the reason why uh, I stated it very clearly that despite the fact that we have an organization or we have an association and this association caters to the needs of the needy, in spite of it, we don't come forward and say that we did it. It's nothing. We are not doing anything in, uh, in this aspect. He gives and he asks you to donate to him. I, I prefer to leave it at that. That's interesting, uh, Brother Sanjay, when you say that. Um, you know, sometimes you will get these uh, posts on Facebook or Instagram. These are like, you know... Uh, what do you say, like a sketch kind of a thing and it says uh, life in today's times and it would be like a parody or it would be just highlighting certain weird things about in today's time which is very normal and one thing immediately came to my mind when he said that it was like one guy is taking a selfie while you know uh, giving a 10 rupee note to a, a beggar it's like a sketch you know it's like a cartoon sketch but I think the point is if you if you have this urge to take a selfie or do like a vlog saying that hey i'm going to do charity today and no it's not charity it's a transaction <laughs> you you're not trying to make a name for yourself saying i'm a very charitable person it's become an it's become a transaction it's like a you know you're doing business of charity so that's where charity is spelling also goes for a toss <laughs> now it's interesting that came up because the next thing that you actually talk in your paper and I found it really interesting is about being careful when it comes to appeals or calls for even charity. It could be from someone saying, hey, I need help to someone saying, hey, that person needs help. Go help him. You know, so you're also talking about being cautious, human beings also being cautious when it comes to deciding whether we should really help in, should we step in, is this genuine or not? So if you would like to you know, elaborate on that a little more from your perspective as an author, and I think there is also a role in our Masonic Lodges which you would like to elaborate. So I'll hand it over to you, brother. Uh, uh, see, the uh, why investigation or a careful investigation on any claims or calls for help is very, very important. Uh, uh, very simple. Uh, uh, let's say, for instance, I have a crore of rupees in my bank account. I don't have. So, but let's say I have. And somebody calls me and says, uh, you know, that person is in, sick in bed and he needs about 20 lakhs for his surgery. I can always give it without even. The, the only two people who are related to that uh, particular transaction is me and my conscience. I decide to give. So I go and give him a check and finish it off. Whereas in Freemasonry, what happens, it is not one man's money that is there in the lodge or in the fraternity. The fraternity is made of several group of people, several individuals, and hence it automatically tantamounts to whatever the balances in the account of a particular lodge 
or a group of lodge or the regional grand lodge or the grand lodge is actually contributions made by so many people in the past present for some future benefit to be or for some future activity that is to be taken hence it becomes public money whenever we are here in positions of power where we could by just a signature transfer this money to some other place we have to be very careful we have to be purer than caesar's wife to prove that the money went for the right cause and it not end up in a frivolous or a uh, uh, not a justified contribution uh, i would like to elaborate this when i was the worshipful master of a lodge where a request came that uh, somebody was in a dire medical assistance and uh, would you like to contribute so i asked my secretary to find more details about this particular uh, case when he went to check up he came back and told me that yes this man is sick in bed but uh, we would like to contribute and whatever little we can contribute let us contribute so by the time we could talk to the others and find out as to how much to contribute and take something from being made apparently the patient died in the hospital and the next day uh, owing to certain covid protocols uh, the entire funeral was done after 3 days again we got a call from the person's uh, relative saying that when are you going to contribute so again i said we will have to take a call we'll have to look into it and when i went to give the check to the house i could see that that man had already died the purpose of contributing this money was for the surgery or the medical illness but here the person has already been uh, already expired and is also also been uh, the funeral services have been done so then i asked them do you need this money for survival they said we don't so i said why did you then ask for money for the medical expenses and there was a very mischievous smile on the uh, uh, family member and i had to uh, with uh, uh, so much of uh, what he called shame that i had to get back uh, without giving the check and when i came back and i spoke about it in my lodge people were very shocked so there is a concept across people that you ask there is a charitable disposition in the minds of everybody hearts they will automatically contribute you take it and you spend whatever reasons and today in terms of online frauds since i am an ex banker in case of online frauds anybody who says my son is well i am not well click this link please do it so it's a message to guys that if you have to do charity go find and give uh, now the question that will probably come up is are you not trusting the person then again as a banker i would like to offer this as an advice trust but verify whoever it is even if it is your closest friend or your spouse who tells you something trust them but verify to find whether it is right or wrong and believe me 99% of the time you will be surprised and as sushir pointed out we have a role in the lodge itself who is called an almanar which is also there in the church his role is to find out about the welfare of the brethren of the lodge and wherever needed to go and provide relief to that particular uh, family or to that person i can think of an example apparently in a lodge some in olden days in a lodge in united kingdom uh, one of the uh, freemasons had died and the entire lodge had gone to the funeral and they found that the family was in dire straits and the lodge decided that they need to help the family and rather than giving them a few shillings or pounds they decided to give to the family two cows so that the lady of the house his widow could have these cows and make a living out of that the lodge came back and they did not use it as a charity they called it as the almoners funding and they wrote it in the asset book of the lodge that two cows given to xyz now the lady lived up to for about 50 60 years and when she passed away the books were then rewritten and said the cows don't exist anymore this is the role of an almoner the role of an almoner is not to relieve the necessity immediately 
it is to soothe the person's afflictions and tell him that tell him or her that masonry is there with them to make them tide over the future as well sanjay that was an interesting point which you mentioned right like how do we not just trust but like that whole verification option which you're saying and i know there will be certain folks who might not actually agree on that but that's fair enough like this is obviously sanjay's point of view now i but that point kind of reminds me of one very interesting point which you brought in the paper which is a society which was there during the roman uh, during the roman era now in the early days and i'm reading it from the paper verbatim in the early days of the roman republic a man grew up in the house in which he was born when he married he bought his uh, wife to live with him under the paternal roof when he died he left his sons daughters abiding in the same place obviously daughters would actually move out and have their own family the sons would obviously get a wife and they will actually grow in the same place and continue neighboring families were similarly stabilized and all these groups owing to their perpetual neighborliness and to intermarriage became so inwoven with each other that in a community there would be no there would not be any stranger and this paragraph which i just read uh, listeners kind of adds to the whole concept of i will actually know what is happening in my neighbor's house tomorrow if he has a problem i'll be able to help them see the lodge the the point which sanjay mentioned earlier uh, regarding the lodge where the lord the brother actually passed away and obviously there was no nothing there was nobody to take care of the wife so that's why they donated two cows to the women to the woman the idea was they came to know because they were there obviously they came to know because they were part of that person's life and that is exactly what freemasonry i think is also all about now imagine a community where the individual is not left to his own private resources he was surrounded by others ever ready to aid him in misfortune nurse him in illness and mourn him in death and take care of the family as well in future sanjay can i i know you have some interesting points and this is coming from the discussion which we had earlier as well can you please elaborate on this and try to bring the angle which i really really want you to bring yeah uh see uh the romans they started living the concept of joint families and if, if you look at it uh they used to live in large communities and probably the community would be related to something which they were doing the work in, in inside the in a roman uh, uh, kingdom uh, the potters used to live together the cobblers used to live together those who were making arrows they would live to the weapon guys they used to live together those of the administrators used to live together so the, that is how small groups became large uh, communities in in, in in the roman uh, civilization but then what used to happen is the Uh, even if one person was out on a war romans were normally engaged in lot of wars and annexing kingdoms in uh, far away areas of the world so as and when the men folk used to go away those remaining there they would take care of the others and ensure that the entire family system was kept close knit that was the purpose of this entire embankment but once the annexed uh, probably a kingdom far away and another one fam set of families would move into that particular kingdom slowly with more annexations the kind of joint family system started uh, disintegrating and became nuclear families but then the romans are not the first to start this i think uh, in india we have this system of agraharam the culture of agraharam uh, for the uh, uninitiated i would like to tell what an agraharam is these are four streets encircling a temple it could be square or rectangular or circular but whenever there is a temple complex there would be four streets and the houses on these streets one side will be the house the other side will be the temple compound wall these were called the agraharams what did they do they were people who were involved either in uh, doing work inside the temple or on the ba- outside the temple and uh, for instance uh, in case of a temple of mahashiva the shaivite agraharam would be called and in case of vishnu temple it would be called the vaishnavite agraharam 
nobody knew who the kids were or anything the agraharam child would roam into one house and if in that house somebody was sitting and having food the child would be given food automatically today the concept of agraharam has almost gone to a toss with people moving out for work elsewhere and becoming a stranger in another center or another city so how does he continue to get the same kind of love and affection or the care that used to happen in the nagraharam or the roman style of society i think that is where the guilds were formed which later get converted into lodges i think uh, masonry is the only probably fraternity which i would like to believe or i'm sure it is true as well that you go to a distant land and you room enter into a room full of strangers and when you say that i am a brother automatically you get that love and affection of the 60 people who are there the concept of this lodge and the brotherly love or the relief that came out of that is based on the agraharam style in indian philosophy Re- really interesting uh, sanjay because um i think i was reading about this whole agraharam i know there are multiple definitions for the things but the ones which you just pointed out right one of those definitions which kind of explains that how uh, and i think this uh, and how exactly everybody comes together to take care of it i think a child is raised by a village if i'm not wrong not by just by the family and that is exactly what is true in this thing uh however i think shishir actually has a very interesting point in what happens unfortunately in today's world shishir thanks guys uh, so rinesh the i think the saying you were looking for is it takes a village to raise a child oh yes 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 <laughs> active passive i just moved it here and there i guess <laughs> so you know one could see it in two ways one the effort of raising a child is so magnanimous that you know it's difficult for one person to do it but at the same time the other way of seeing it is that the family is not alone they know that they have their neighbors their loved ones their own parents someone to fall back on you know to take care of the child uh, when they are going to office when they are going out to work or if there's an emergency they know that okay if something happens there is xyz near me uh, whom i can reach out to now think of it in today's time and if i were to ask my listeners how many of you know your neighbors well enough and when i say well enough i'm not talking about you even know their dogs eating habits or <laughs> whatever you know i'm just saying that you at least know that uh, the people living next to you who are they where are they from what are their names and uh, taking it a step further can you trust them uh, if in the middle of the night your child falls sick and you need some medicine which you unfortunately may not have it at that point of time could you knock at your neighbor's door and seek help well the answer in in several cases unsurprisingly in fact is that they do not know who their neighbors are now thinking about it practically uh, in in you know cities like bangalore for example which has a large floating population uh, meaning a lot of people living in bangalore are not even from bangalore which also means that your apartment complex where a lot of people stay uh, you know the person living next door uh, might be a tenant they don't even own that house they are paying rent you know living on rent over there and they might leave in the next 6 months maybe one year's time so people keep rotating house to house so it might even be that uh, you probably knew the neighbors who were living there earlier but now this new group that has come and you are yet to get acquainted Uh, the other part of it is you probably don't have time the sadder or extreme part of it is you don't care <laughs> so you know i'm thinking in a very practical manner there are many reasons why this could happen however um at the end of the day it is still humans living next to humans and there is some level of uh, how do i say uh, lack of ice breaking or some level of xenophobia that tends to enter one's minds that makes people think that i don't care who's living there i have enough you know stuff to deal with in my own life so i'll just go with my own life and deal with all that uh, 
but there is some particular angle to this uh, in in brother sanjay's paper which i will hand over to rinesh first to elaborate on that and then we'll have sanjay give his perspective as an author so San, uh, so uh, rinesh <laughs> over to you she said you know very interestingly what you mentioned about this whole neighbor concept right in spite of the fact that we believe that we can do things on our own and which by the way i'm not saying that you we can't there are many folks as you mentioned single parents are able to do that similarly a person who wants to be uh, uh, on his own they are able to do that and they are doing well i'm not sure whether they are doing amazingly well but they are doing something that is why they are able to survive but somewhere there is an innate feeling in all of us to be part of a group as a matter of fact if you noticed and i i'm coming and talking from my experiences right in in mumbai we used to have a group of friends so we used to have obviously our uh, society the, the building society which i was which i used to stay so we had friends over there i had friends in my college obviously the friends in my school and interestingly uh, i had friends in the train the the train which i used to obviously take to go from one point a to point b so i used to travel every day from uh, from my place of residence to my college and every day i used to catch the same train because i had to reach on time and for that purpose we used to always go in that same compartment in the same like literally this row in the same corner i used to actually go along with these guys and that kind of or uh, tr- because because of that continuous or the constant travel right i kind of knew these people and i became friends with them so somewhere that community is what i built along with these guys so tomorrow what used to happen is and knowing many people would know like how the rush hours in mumbai is in the train so when we used to try to get into the train and with my bags which obviously had so many books and everything i used to just hand over my bag which even might have my wallet at one point of time i will just hand over my bag to this person whom i have like whom i don't know much where i don't know where he stays but i just know that he is in the train he comes in the train every day at the same time i just hand over my bag to him and he keeps it in one place and when i'm supposed to get down i'll just tell him uh, so and so and he will just hand over the bag to me with that entire trust which i have on him that nothing has been removed out of it not that i was obviously not looking but i know him because i have traveled with him on a daily basis and that's the same thing which you will find out if you look into the history right from the collegia the group which were formed by men of the same trade then to the guild which was created and then finally to the lodge which i am talking about men people have actually come together to form that group in spite of the fact that we say that we can manage certain things on our own which we can again emphasizing on that point there are times when we need that and in spite of the fact that i might not know my neighbor there are organizations which actually help you to come together let it be anything let it be alliance club let it be a rotary let it be toastmasters let it be round table let it be whatever you can talk about let it be your own uh, what do you call a football fan club all of these organizations want to come together to do something about it and that is exactly where the lodge also finds its root it was about all of them coming together in a room trying to obviously do some back work after finishing the work in the in the building which they were constructing and everything and after that coming and working together all of those were there so there is a bit of a what should i say mm, what's the right word for it oh yeah there is a bit of a silo that there are certain group which would like to live alone there is certain group which obviously want to communicate and this paper talks about those two groups and how a masonic lodge as of now in today's date especially for this paper how a masonic lodge bring these people together to make sure that we have a better way of working and a life sanjay would you like to just add more to this point can i can i just butt in for one second brother sanjay uh, i couldn't help myself <laughs> but think of uh, uh, one, you know one of our first episodes of the ashlers where we chronicle the spread of freemasonry in india and we spoke about the exact same thing that rinesh has you know alluded to over here we spoke about why did freemasonry even come to india in the first place well rinesh has actually given the answer and we have brought this up in that episode as well it was a very simple thing the first few british people who came to india obviously were looking for something familiar they were looking for that that similar sort of comfort and they found it in you know uh, people of their own kind right and then eventually that led to lodges being formed and what not so you know just like a throwback i thought let me sneak it in but yeah brother sanjay please over to you sishir mentioned about the xenophobia and why neighbors don't interact with each other or he threw the question back to the uh, uh, listener saying that how many of you know your neighbors 
Uh, see, there are several reasons as to why uh, you don't want your neighbors to know who you are. One is a lack of self-confidence in yourself that what if he gets to know my secrets? What is going to happen to me? Will he exert influence on me at a later date? Or will he talk about it and spoil my name in the society or in the, uh, the community which I live in? So that is one reason why I don't go and talk to a neighbor. And that is the same reason why the neighbor doesn't come and talk to me as well. Till a relationship is forged between these two, people don't talk to neighbors. To a greater extent, uh, how do we uh, how do we thrash it out? How do we ice break this? So what, what is an icebreaker that can be there uh, uh, to make your neighbor uh, get in touch with you or you getting in touch with your neighbor? The simple thing is that, uh, let's say I move into a new society and uh, everybody is a stranger there. So I just walk up to somebody's house and ask him to uh, borrow sugar or some salt. Not that I need sugar or salt, but that's a very good icebreaker. I've come new into your place and I'm yet to settle down my house. So I don't know where the sugar I had packed is kept and now I need to make a cup of coffee. So I come to you and ask, can you give me a cup of coffee or can you give me a cup of sugar? And these ways, what happens is now I have gone and asked. So it gives a right to that neighbor to come back and ask me for something at a later time. This barter system which existed times immemorial before the uh, unit of currency came inside. This helps. She is not, the neighbor is not going to ask five rupees for a cup of sugar. She is willingly gives that sugar and upon a future date, she might come and ask for a salt or tamarind or something else she would like to take. Over a period of time, the neighbors start interacting with each other and start bartering things. And then suddenly, at one fine day, you make something of uh, some kind of a eatable snack and you take three or four pieces to them and say that I would like to gift it. I just made some snacks. I tried something after watching something on the YouTube and I thought I'll just share it with you. The ability to share things or to what I say, to sacrifice what you have and give it to somebody else binds that person to you. This is how you break the xenophobic uh, idea of uh, neighbors. And how does it help in masonry? Same thing. Why, why do we have to bring the angle of relief into masonry? Uh, let's, let's look at it. In, in a lodge, I joined the lodge. For the first two months, nobody spoke to me. The, my, the proposer who proposed me, he is the one who used to come and say, Hi, hello. When, even when I went out of the way, because I'm not a person who can who will sit silently in a room, I'll always go out and meet people. Even when I went to Matt, they would just say, hi, hello, everything, okay, fine. We will talk to you later, we will talk to you later. So they were more interested in talking amongst themselves. One day, I decided to make a change in that. And what I did, I carried a box of sweets to the meeting. And... When the banquets were announced and when people moved into the banquets, I just went around giving a sweet to everybody. And they all said, what is it? Is it your birthday? I said, nothing. I just wanted to uh, celebrate. I, I created a fictitious uh, event of why I am celebrating it and distributed the sweets. That was the breaker. And, you know, people... The food was there on the table, but still there was somebody who was putting it in a plate and bringing it to me and say, whether I would like to share this with you, why don't you take this? I think relief, when you start helping out a brother or relieving his necessity, he is a stranger. He doesn't know anybody. And suddenly he comes into a room full of people who are all in their jackets and he gets slightly stifled as to what am I doing here and who are they? They backslap each other and they're talking and uh, chatting, but I'm not able to get inside. That is where a senior brother gets to him, pulls him into the crowd and he relieves his stress. Relief is not just to relieve, uh, relieve a person out of his uh, current situation. It could be relief of stress. 
relief of a, a lack of confidence it is relieving the necessity of a brother it is relieving his uh, probably preconceived notions of how this fraternity works or who we are i think that word relief itself can be written for uh, a couple of more papers i'm going to bring out something from the paper itself see among freemasons that strong commitment to brothers were found expression not only in the lodge room but also on the battlefield and this was demonstrated amply by george washington now he became a mason at the young age of 20 long before distinguishing himself on fields of war and in the seat of government he was even said to have shown some sort of a favoritism by choosing fellow travelers as his officers during the american revolutionary war washington unbashedly displayed his attachment to the rules of this invisible brotherhood on more than one public occasion including the aftermath of a battle now this is from one of those situations so in the 46th regiment of the british army there was a traveling lodge and for those who have not heard about the traveling lodge concept we have covered this in one of our uh, initial episodes including the season 1 episodes where we were talking about how regimental lodges who cannot meet at one place but they will meet at different locations so now this traveling lodge in the british army was holding its warrant of constitution under the jurisdiction of the grand lodge of ireland now after an engagement between the american and british forces in which the british forces were defeated the private chest of the lodge which contains its jewels furnitures and implements uh, by the way when i'm talking about jewels is not gold jewels is those just basic jewels of each officer now that fell into the hands of the americans the captors reported the circumstances to general washington who at once ordered the chest to be returned to the lodge and the regiment under a guard of honor a historian of the event he said the surprise the feeling of both officers and men may be imagined when they perceived the flag of truce that announced this elegant compliment from their noble opponent but still more noble brother the guard of honor with their music playing a sacred march the chest containing the constitution and implements of the craft borne aloft like another ark of the covenant equally by englishmen and americans who later who lately engaged in the strife of war Now just imagine, brethren or listeners, imagine. Think about this concept. You are fighting, but when it came to this brotherhood, they found something and they they went over and about to ensure that that is actually now given back to the person, given back to the lodge, without having any animosity at that moment. And that is the interesting part. As you would have heard, there have been many instances where you would have realized that there are differences of opinion. But the interesting part about this organization. and i think that should actually be the case with respect to any organization you are part of that you can still be civil in front of each other and not talk anything ill about that person behind see there is a difference of opinion and when that opinion is being discussed let that differences come in front and you can discuss and talk and argue about it or have a healthy discussion but when that opinion is not being discussed he and me are still human beings and let's treat each other treat each other as that and that is exactly what this organization teaches very very well put uh, renesh and you know i would also like to just throw in a uh, couple of my points or rather my my thoughts on this you know at the end of the day guys we have you know all kinds of rule books uh, when it comes to project management for example there are different kinds of methodologies that we follow uh what are all these these are rules suggestions yardsticks guardrails or these are the ideal state of how things ought to be but we all know that real life is messy real life is prone to errors real life is gnarly hairy it's a mess of a beast and that is why we have all of these ancient texts and what not saying this is how we should live this is how a society should ideally be this is what a family should be like and what not but in in real sense it's hardly ever that way right but does that mean we should not listen to what these ancient texts or the rule books of today say should we discard them saying that no real life is not like this and why do i need these books throw it well that's wrong we need certain things to guide us we need certain things to tell us how the ideal state looks like the idea is as a human being not to be uh, the absolute 100% perfect 
you can't we are humans we will make mistakes sometimes really stupid mistakes but the fact is that we have something to look up to to reach forward and try and touch it and that attempt of trying to be perfect learning from the errors making daily improvements you know micro habits like they say is important and that is where when we all, even in the lodge when we have a call for charity we don't say okay every person give 10000 rupees each no we always say give whatever it is that you can however little however big but please reach out and exercise this noble virtue so with that i think we have now come to a close and i'll hand it over to rinesh to do the closing remarks thanks a lot shishir and thank you very much uh, sanjay for this beautiful paper As, and uh, listeners if you would have noticed right we are not talking in this paper what relief is and why relief should be done we are actually talking about what exactly that relief used to be at one point of time why was that relief required in the olden era and how exactly it has come to this place in today's date on how that relief actually functions today and that is exactly what we were trying to showcase in the paper thank you thanks a lot sanjay for your time first of all and obviously for this paper and i would request the listeners in case if you would like to share this paper among your lodge members in your lodge as part of like a masonic education or like as a discussion not 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 necessarily an education but even as a discussion among you please do reach out to us we will more than happy to share the paper with you please give due credit to worshipful brother sanjay ranganathan for actually writing this one and i i i think um, this this has been beautiful one because as you as i said right it is not a straightforward one it has actually a food for thought and sanjay i remember all, with all my discussions with sanjay it has never been just a straightforward discussion it has always been something which we will cherish and talk about afterwards as well uh thanks rish and thanks sishir uh i would like to thank ashlers podcast for giving this opportunity to share some of my thoughts on uh, uh, relief and uh, i look forward to uh, uh coming back and talking about various other aspects of uh, masonry and uh, uh trying to throw light the entire purpose of this discussion is to diffuse light yes and uh, if by diffusing this and if it had enlightened one person for one percent only i think my life is made <clears throat> and the fact is that life is very very simple it's very easy the only thing we need to have is we need to shun greed and we need to shun jealousy out anger greed and jealousy are the devils which also reside in us and if you start looking at god in a way in which uh, he should be looked at you will automatically reach him and at that time relief happens automatically thank you uh, renesh and shishir for this wonderful opportunity thank you so much brother for your time uh, this was an interesting discussion and uh, like i said uh, a rather well timed paper where we can actually talk about uh, practically what relief means not only in the context of masonry but also in real life so with that folks we come to an end uh i hope you have enjoyed this discussion we will you know have more papers coming in so any brother who's out there who would love to have their paper featured and discussed on the ashlers podcast please reach out to us our email is on the show notes it is the ashlers podcast at gmail.com so you can you know reach out to us through that email and we would love to engage with you uh the other thing i want to bring up and as a quick reminder uh, for the victims of the earthquakes in turkey and syria uh, if there's anything that you can do please come forward and give relief to these people who really desperately need it more than ever finally a quick reminder uh, the ashlers round table formerly we were referring to it as the reading room uh, it is now rebranded to the ashlers round table that will be coming uh, in, in the next few weeks uh, we are working towards it it's a long chapter that we have to read through so that we can discuss uh, so you know stay tuned for that as well it's going to be a very special episode with two very interesting people so i hope you will be looking forward to that as well so until then everyone take care 
Thank you. Shishir, signing off. And that's a wrap. We thank you for your time and hope that we have been able to present to you the true light of masonry in yet another way. Please continue to watch out for more episodes from the Ashlers by subscribing to our channel on most of the popular podcasting platforms. Links are in the show notes and also feel free to email us at theashlerspodcast.com at gmail.com Your encouragement is what keeps us motivated above all. As proud hosts of India's first and only free Masonic podcast, we wish you all the very best and until next time, the Ashlers signing off.